Hey everybody, it's Matt and Jess from The Radical Road. We're back with a special episode. Hello, Rad Roadies. Today we have our kids on. Well, two of them. Two out of the three. Yeah, we're missing JC, but we got Jared and Ellie with us today. Hey, guys. <laughs> so let's, uh, I don't know, we like to start out talking about trucking, what we're doing on the road, and just kind of the, some of the fun stuff that happens, what we see, you know, whatever, update. whatever's on our mind. So I think last time we were talking about Palm Springs, but we left there, went to Idaho, went to Kansas, ended up in Wisconsin. Yes. And Wisconsin is gorgeous this time of year. If any of you can travel to Northern Wisconsin, it is beautiful. Well, I think the timing was good too, because we get there and we were talking to people and it was like a couple of days before that it was like a hundred degrees. So I'm like, I'm glad we missed that. We already had that in Palm Springs, but I, it was nice out. Like it got down to like 50 degrees at night and it was, we did get rained on though. Yeah. But Wisconsin, <laughs> um, it's very green right now. And as we're traveling, I'm thinking, I love the States that are really green. I love them. I love, I think they're just so beautiful and lush and I told Matt, I'm like, it reminds me of that song when we were kids, that show that you'd watch, Green Acres. And I'm like, Green Acres is the place to be. And you don't know farm the rest of the words. living is the life for me. Land stretching out so far and wide. Keep Manhattan, just give me that countryside. Yes. <laughs> you can keep Manhattan. I want the countryside. <laughs> okay. That totally just dated us. Right? <laughs> but- I think there's some listeners that will get it. Well, it's funny because we start singing this song and then we're walking through town. And, and it's night. We got out of a diner. It's like a little town, a couple thousand people. And people are just sitting in their living room. They're sitting in their living room was watching TV with the blinds open. No, I call them drapes. <laughs> well, that was the joke was we started saying how like our grandparents would say things so i'm like why does everybody have their drapes open and i said yeah you can see their davenports <laughs> matt started laughing do you two know what a davenport is i know the town <laughs> davenport iowa no, no i don't davenports like, were couches back in the day yeah like that's what, that was what our grandparents called them they didn't call them couches they call them Davenports. Or sofas. And then it was close the drapes. <laughs> and I think of like a plaid Davenport back in the 70s. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, back <laughs> to the scene. It was interesting too because we, when we were in Idaho, we also ran into this guy. And I'm like, this is what, this is what happens. You know, this is what's supposed to happen on the radical road is... We meet this guy and we just, I just start talking to him because he sees the sticker on the side of the truck that says the radical road. Yeah, our logo. And we're like, yeah, we do this. We truck and we haul these big things, but 
you know, our real passion is ministry. So we start talking to him and him and his wife had just moved there and they were looking for a church. Yeah. So we realized in this that our website on the radicalroad.com, if you want to go to this, we've started this map and it has pins all over it of churches that we would recommend. Yeah, they're not denominational churches that um, are biblically grounded and Holy Spirit-filled churches. Um, I have done some solid research on this, um, on each church. We've gotten really good um, referrals from people as well than we research. And um, they're churches that just align biblically today. So if you're a truck driver or a wanderlust person in a van or a traveler, or maybe you're even moving to a new state, um, it's a great way to find a new church to plug into. And if you can't find one, find a pin in your area, just reach out to us. We have email, Matt and Jess at ontheradicalroad.com. We'll find you one. Yeah, we sure will. We'll find you one. Coincidentally, my son, Jared, who's here with us, is a truck driver. How long have you been doing this now? It'll be three years in August. Three like years. I got my CDL right after I turned 21. Yeah. It's like two days after, right? Yeah. Like I, I was in the class. And I wasn't even 21 yet. So real quickly, because we don't want to stand on this part too long, I don't think. we got some other things we want to talk about. But just real quick, like, what do you love about trucking? What do you not like about it? Well, something that I always liked about it was being able to go all over the country and, like, talk to people, like... Cause you guys do the same thing where like when we get, when we park for the night, like a lot of guys will just shut themselves in their truck. Right. I, I, I like to set up my folding chairs and like cook out in front of the, my truck. Like I, I pretty much anything that you do camping, I do on the road. Yeah. So yeah, like that's one of the things I like to do. And uh, some of the things I don't like doing are driving through cities. Cause there's so many people that don't know how to drive, right. but somehow get their driver's license. <laughs> And we're going to talk about that on another episode. I think we're going to have a whole episode on this, in fact, about yes. people's driving skills and just things that annoy me. I'm like, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm road ragey, but I do make comments. <laughs> right? Getting better about it, though. Right. Yeah. So what are we talking about today, Matt? <sighs> so anyway, we, uh, of course, Roe versus Wade happened. Yes. So Roe versus Wade got overturned recently, as you all yeah. know. And it's obviously fired up a lot of emotion in people. We started looking at it from a personal perspective because of just how things rolled out in our lives with our kids and stuff. And we started talking about it. Um, but the first thing was, I'm. this is very interesting to me because I don't think people really understand what just happened with Roe versus Wade. Like, you got one side that's celebrating, going, yeah, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened. And then you have the other side who just like, you're taking away our rights and all these things. And I I just made the comment. I'm like, well, did anything really happen? I'm like, something very important did happen. But I think people are looking into too much of what the decision is because for me looking at it, it was, you know, they're just putting... The right, power and the rights. rights and the power back into the states, which is where it should have been the whole time. 
So you'll hear people talk about Roe versus Wade and say it never should have happened in the first place. And the reason they're saying that is because, you know, this country was built to keep the power at the state level, the local levels and not have this big, massive federal government. So as of right now, there's a bunch of states that still have legalized abortion um, and there's there, other states that there's have, a, yeah, there's other states that put trigger laws into effect that basically, you know, once the Supreme Court said, okay, we're out, we don't have any constitutional right to, to mandate this, it's back on the states to decide. So, you know, you can cheer this all you want, but I mean, I just feel like you're looking at years and years of court battles anyway. And I want to say something about that. You mentioned cheer. You can cheer it all you want. But, you know, I know from my perspective, being a Christian and not a passive Christian, I would say we're bold Christians. And I think from a standpoint of being Christians and having faith, I think, you know, there's a lot of cheering. There's a lot of excitement because this has been a battle for years and years and years. And yeah. this isn't a battle between conservatives and Democrats. This is actually a battle that's spiritual. It's a spiritual warfare battle. Right. So when we get excited and we feel like we've won in a step in this, it's because we're beating the, the enemy, the devil. It's right. not the, it's not about. It's not oh, about a political party no. or a specific people or whatever. And I think that's where the confusion's coming in from the democratic side and why they're getting so angry at the conservatives. I think that's the confusion with people in general. Like you take anything that somebody claims is, you know, a hot topic uh, and decisive and really people are arguing two different things and no one's listening to the other and not understanding where they're coming from. Because I'm like, I always make the comment. I'm like, everybody's making the wrong argument about whatever it is. And, and, you know, you're right. Like people are thinking it's personal attack on them or whatever. And it's like, well, that's not what one side of the argument is even saying. But anyway. Yeah. So I'm just curious. We got Ellie and Jarrett here today. You know, Roe versus Wade happened. It hits the news. Like what was your guys' initial reaction, if anything? Um, I was happy about it for sure. Um yeah. I know that, like, I don't know if my mom has gotten into the, much about it, but um, her story, she got pregnant with me out of wedlock, and a lot of people come, you know, had their frustrations about it and want to say what they want about it. But my comment back was, you know, my mom got pregnant with me out of wedlock, and she could have easily made that choice to abort me, but I'm right. standing here today because she didn't. So right. that tends to usually, I think, get their wheels turning a little bit, and they don't have much to say after that, but. And yeah. how old are you, Ellie? I'm 22. So the audience knows. Yeah, 22. What about you, Jared? Well, this whole topic is a really deep, like. And how old are you, Jared? Sorry to interrupt. But... I'm 20. Well, I'll be 24 in like okay. four days. Like a couple days. So, <laughs> um, this, this whole topic is like really touchy and it's something that people are, are talking about, which is a good thing. But it's also something like people don't necessarily want to talk about because it's like a. Comfortable. A, yeah, it's an uncomfortable subject that people don't like to talk about. And, and it's like, decisive. It's also kind of outside of my world because I've been like, obviously I was born out of wedlock too. 
I mean, but have you ever stopped to think about that for a second, though, either? I mean, you know what I well, mean? Like there, there's one way to think about it in like that. Oh, I was an accident. My parents didn't want to have me and like they could have very easily had this abortion. I wouldn't exist anymore. But right. the, like the mindset that I have about it is, is like, I know that you guys love me and like that, like I'm an important part of your guys' lives. And like, I kind of try and use that as my mentality about it rather right. than thinking of it as a negative thing. Yes. Yeah. Can I add something to that? So yeah. I never really like thought about it that way either as like I was an accident or anything. It's always just like, I mean, until I've gotten, until I've gotten older, like I've like obviously realized like it could have been that way, but I've never felt like I was not like meant to be or anything. Yeah. So, yeah. I would say I would agree with that. Well, Ellie brought it up, you know, yeah. well, actually we both have talked about this, how we have somewhat of a similar story. And I asked that question that like, have you ever stopped and thought about that for a minute because number one i've never asked it before like you kind of you have a child and life goes on right right but after this decision like it even made us start you know looking at that going oh man like life would be so much different if we would have made some sort of decision like that right yeah i would like to you know touch on my story personally you know when i got pregnant with ellie I was 20 years old and I had been dating her dad for four years up to that point. And so, like she said, we were not married. So I personally made a choice out of lust. I made a choice to sleep with her dad out of wedlock. I made a choice to have unprotected sex. So that was my choice as a woman, as a female. That was my choice. He also made a choice in that. And as a man, and, you know, because I was young, I was going through college. I had, I'm a type A, so I had all these plans set out for my life and what my life was going to look like. And so when I got pregnant with Ellie, it just threw me for a spin. Like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Like, this just changes everything. And so, you know, everything runs through your head, all these thoughts and, Never for a second was it that I didn't want her, but it was like, that's going to put a wrench in things. And so for a split second, because I was 20, you know, and other young adults were making irrational decisions and getting abortions, I was like, what if I aborted this baby, then my life would go on and I can have my plans and whatever. And then I thought instantly, I thought there's no way I could ever do that. Like this human being has a plan in this world, just like there was plans for me in this world. God had plans for this baby inside of me. And, um, and I thought that's really not my right. And that's so selfish of me if I was to ever do that. And I would live with that guilt for the rest of my life. And so I remember praying about it instantly. And God was saying, no, Like I am bringing her into this world. I'm bringing this baby into the world and she's going to be a warrior of that time. Like she's meant to be in the world for the very time she's called for. Yeah. And so I think from that point on, I was like, I never, ever thought about it again. And then here I was 24 weeks pregnant, 
And I ended up having a partial placenta abrevia. I woke up in bed in a pool of blood. And I remember calling the hospital and they're like, you need to get in here now. And so he rushed me into the hospital and um, I almost lost her. I mean, I was in the hospital for eight days um, and I was contracting and they had NICU in, having me sign papers one night. They had me sign papers um, to have her vaginally. Then they had me sign papers to have her C-section because they thought two nights in a row she was coming. And they said her head would have been the size of a rose and that um, she may have respiratory issues. She might be blind, deaf. Um, you know, they gave me all the scenarios. Ooh. And um, I can see you, by the way. Yeah. And at that point, I didn't know what the sex of my baby was. And I really started praying about it. And I'm like, God, I want this baby more than ever. Like, I want her. Um, what, or I want this baby. What is, you know, so I told the nurses and the doctors, I said, yeah, I want to know what the sex is because I want to get attached to her or the baby um, just in case and know what this baby is and what, what the name is. And so that's when they told me it was a girl and I already had Ellie picked out. So we, you know, I just started calling her Ellie from that point. Rannell. <laughs> her real name is Rannell. <laughs> and Matt calls her Rannell because <laughs> one of her professors called her Rannell once. <laughs> so, but anyway, um, I just knew from that point on, like, this baby is so special I had seven pastors come in and pray over my bed and over her in my womb. And I knew like this girl is going to make impact. She's got plans. She's meant to be in this world. And I want to start crying because it's so powerful. But I think about the fact that I could have aborted her. And I know other women that have done that that have aborted their babies and they've lived with that pain. They've lived with that guilt. And I think because I'm so biblically sound and I biblically align with my principles and my beliefs that murder is not an option. And that is part of the reason why, because there's no good that can come out of that. Although I will say for the women out there listening, if you have had an abortion just know that there is a God and a Jesus full of love and grace and forgiveness. And you can ask for that forgiveness and be reconciled. Take it to the throne. He will forgive you and you can have freedom from that. That, you know, because you made that choice, maybe it was just irrational. It was a quick decision. Maybe it was out of immaturity. You didn't have support, um, people to support you. I just want to tell you that um, you're not alone out there and that no matter what, you do, you do have a good, good father out there, good God that will forgive you for that. And it's okay. And, you know, I just feel like Ellie, I always call her, she was my, my blessing, my blessing in disguise. And I think that's the same with Jared. Like what he was saying is like, he was, he's a blessing to this life. and. So anyway, yeah, I'm pretty happy Randall's here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I came a little later in the story, obviously, but, um, you know, she's, she's one of my kids now. Like that's just how I see her. But, but my stories are pretty similar too. You know, it's like when Jarrett kind of happened, <laughs> you know, 
it was freak. Like it was the same thing. It was a freak out moment. I was like, I'm 25 years old. I can't barely take care of myself. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, I think there's always that initial reaction. And I think that's probably the core of the problem because, you know, in, in the world right now, we tend to live just in the moment. And, that you know, that's how I was living back then was just moment to moment. And you don't see but beyond that moment, you know, you don't think 10 years out, 20 years out, whatever, when you're a 20 year old man, at least I didn't. So at 25, when Jarrett was conceived, it was like, I don't think I necessarily thought about like, oh, his mom, you know, you should get an abortion. I don't think I really even thought that, but I'm just like, my initial reaction was, what the hell am I going to do? Like, this seems overwhelming. But, you know, I'm a very reflective person because, you know, through my 20s and 30s, early 30s, you know, I was kind of living that way of just like moment to moment, not really thinking beyond. And, you know, I look, you know, it gets to a point where you start looking back on these things that have happened in your life and specifically Jarrett, like there's so many like cool moments that you, it's the littlest stupid things. Like the when he's born, his big head won't come through the birth canal. So he, they had to put back him out in a C-section. They had to use and, a vacuum to and, suck me out the other yeah, way. And he's got yeah, like, like a big, big giant cone head. I'm like, oh, this is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I was also like nine pounds, eight ounces. So yeah. I was a giant baby. Yeah, he was yeah, a big baby. He's a pretty big kid, but... Um, but he was like always super happy when he was little. Like he just had this big crappy grin on his face all the time. And I don't know. Well, and I think I, our I mean, kids I mean, actually, I think also our kids, it, they're meant to be in our lives to oh, shape yeah. us as parents, right? To shape us as people. Well, yeah. So, I mean. Like he brought you joy, right? Like, well, yeah. And initially it was like simple joys, you know, you like get to play around with them and stuff and. They're just happy all the time and whatever. But, you know, over time, like it became different. Like you get, for me, as time went by, I just felt like I got more serious about, oh, this kid, like he needs direction and all this stuff. And, but now as we sit today, like we were even talking about this last night, I'm just like, man, you have some crazy giftings on you. Like you could really impact people. So then when you think about it in terms of like Roe versus Wade and this argument, it's like, like I can't picture Jarrett not being in the world, you know, like. Right. Because I, I just see what he's capable of as a young man. And then, okay, what's going to happen going forward? You know, now I'm looking 10, 20 years out when I wasn't before. Yeah. And so I want to ask a question to the kids. Um, you know, I would say you guys are not the norm for, um, politically, um, and how you, how you feel, where your passion lies, um, especially you, Ellie, like, what would you say, you know, to the people your age today about abortion, about the decision to you know, to abort or, 
you know, I mean, girls and guys com- thinking about it. Is this coming up in conversations right now with you in your like, life? What do you or? notice right now in your world with this? Yeah. So, I mean, it actually is coming up a lot in conversation. I see it a lot on social media, a lot on the side of, you know, more so the Democratic side, I guess, if we want to play into politics about how, you know, they're pretty, they're pretty angry about the, the overturning of it. And I think being a person of my age, 22, um, I think a lot of kids financially, if they get pregnant, you know, either girl or guy, I mean, whatever your, your role is involved in the situation, I guess, um, I think it really comes down to they start thinking about financials to be honest with you like a lot of people are very concerned they're like well i can barely afford my bills right now or you know i don't even live on my own right now and stuff like that and it comes down to a lot of that and you know i hear a lot of like people older adults that are like well there's never really i mean whether you're what you should be married i mean hopefully it doesn't happen out of wedlock, but whether you are married or not, and it does happen, like there's never really a right time. Like, yeah, your financial, sure, it's nice to have some, a solid job, you know, but doesn't really, you can't really plan for it a ton. It's just, it comes and you roll with the punches, you know, as it goes. So I think a lot of kids get pretty nervous about that too. And again, like, it stops their whole world. They want to, they want to party. They want to have fun. They want to go out with their friends. And once, you know, that those two pink lines show up, like that whole, uh, (laughs) that whole, this, you know, idea changes for them and they realize that they can't do that anymore. And then it becomes more of a, a selfish thing. Like, well, I wanted to continue my life. Well, now I have to decide, do I end my life of partying and wanting to have fun or do I end, you know, a life that has the rights just as much as I do. So. And do you, what do you think a solution would be or some solutions would be today to help in this area? Oh boy. You're asking me the tough ones here today, mom. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Honestly, I haven't really ran that through my head. I know like, you know, biblically where I align and everything. And I honestly think a big solution is just turning to the Bible and just finding your answers in the Bible. And I know, you know, we had this conversation and a lot of people are like, well, why are, why isn't the church helping women out more if this is the decision? And we just had that conversation the other day and it's, well, the church is always there for help and everything like that, but it's not necessarily a a charity. We're not just handing out money to hand out money. You know, that's not what the church is meant for. And sometimes, you know, love is to hear the hard things. And that's, you know, how kind of how I grew up too. And I don't, I mean, other than turning to the Bible, I haven't really thought of a, of a straight solution, like a better solution, I guess, but. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Jarrett? I mean, your perspective is different as a man. I know that because I know how I sit as a man, but I mean. Yeah. And you guys had totally different upbringing. So it's, it's really interesting to hear the difference. Yeah. So, I mean, are you hearing stuff? Are you having conversations around this? Well, like I've never had anything like this happen to me. I've never had a pregnancy scare, never had. I've known people that have gotten abortions and they it, they are a completely changed person after it happens. They're so overcome with guilt and like they feel this tremendous sense of loss because of what they did. And like, that's a pretty horrible thing to go through. So like, I, I, when 
somebody has that pregnancy scare, like, oh, I'm pregnant. Like all they can think about is like, what am I losing? They don't really think about what they're gaining. Right. Like, oh, I'm not going to be able to go out and party with my friends anymore. I'm not going to be able to go on this trip that I wanted to do. But like, think about all the stuff you're, you're gaining. Back to like my story, I, I have pictures of when I was a baby and like you were, like you said, like 25, 26, and you right. are just, you absolutely adored me from like day one. Like you can just yeah. see it on your face. Yeah. You don't, people don't think about all the stuff that you're gaining. So like if you. It's a good point, Jarrett. And well, do you think, do you have any um, solutions for people your guys' age? What are your solutions in your mind? Don't get knocked up. <laughs> Well, I was kind of raised like if, because my mom and stepdad, they did foster care from the time I was like 11 years old. Right. They, they've been doing it for years. And, uh, which is awesome. So like I, we, we'd get these foster placements and some of them were like, they had parents that couldn't take care of them because they ended up getting pregnant and obviously they had the baby, but it was, I just knew because I grew up around these kids and like, I knew it was something that you had to wait and you had to be ready for it. Like you, but I was also kind of, it was also kind of taught to me to either abstain or just like, that's just the easiest way to do it. Don't do it. Right. Like, and I want to point out, you know, your mom and stepdad have fostered and they actually ended up adopting two of those babies yeah, my two that could have been siblings. aborted. Right. And now they're, they're in this beautiful family and they have siblings and they have great parents. So they, those two actually have, I think there's like seven or eight of them. They have like seven or eight siblings. Um, and we have the youngest two. So like we, uh, my mom tries to have them interact with their full blood siblings. But yeah, they, we treat them exactly like, because I have, there's five of us now. We treat them exactly the same and like we love them just as much. I, I, don't, I don't even know what my life would be like if they weren't in it. Like, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. But that goes back to my point, right? Is like in the moment, it seems really scary. Oh, you know, I'm pregnant or I got somebody pregnant. The problem is we tend to think about in the moment and not what come, what can actually come out of the situation. Right. So like I, since we've been researching all these churches to put on the map, um, I've been reading about how churches are handling the Roe versus Wade overturn. And a lot of churches actually are um, starting support programs within the churches to help men and women that are going through this. Um, there has been special offerings to raise money for um, programs or special, special situations. As Ellie said, the church isn't meant just to be a charity for people that live in sin, that have sex before marriage and have these babies, but it is important that these churches are building good support systems and um, can offer that to the women and the men um, that go through this. Cause not just women are going through it. The men do too, emotionally in a sense. Um, but you know, the churches are coming up with various ways to help out. And I've been reading all about the different ways. And I would highly recommend researching that yourselves. I know there's been a lot of controversy of that. Like, well, the churches need to step up. They need to help. Well, they are actually, um, if you really dig in. And, you know, I think it would be great from my perspective. I think a solution would be is if I think the background checks to adopt babies within the United States is 
amazing, is good. We need to put them with good families, but we need to lower the price to put these babies in good homes. Yeah, why is it so expensive to adopt? Which then a lot of people in the States turn to other countries to adopt because they tend to get someone into their family at a lower rate, which is really sad. Like, I think we should lower that. And I don't want a rabbit trail either, but, you know, we're letting millions of people right now come in over the border and we're handing them basically aid to get their lives going. But for some reason, established Americans have to spend tens of thousands of dollars to adopt a child. Like, that just seems completely backwards to me. But anyway, I would kind of want to, I don't know, because there's so many different ways to look at this argument. And I think one of the main things that kind of comes up is like, you know, when two people get together and, you know, a woman gets pregnant. And yes, I did say woman. What, you know, where... Where do you guys stand as, when is that a baby and the mother? Is it immediately? Because this is, you know, this is what people are talking about is like, well, when they first get pregnant, it's just a cluster of cells or whatever. Or, you know, how many weeks can you have abortions? Like, when do you see that whatever's going on in there? When do you see it as as a baby? Well... I can start with this one. I've been an only child, I mean, pretty much all of my life growing up. And then once my parents got divorced, I got blessed with some some extra family members, some bonus family members, <laughs> I like to call them. So I don't know. I guess, and I always, I mean, my mom can attest to this too. Every Christmas, I always put a baby brother or sister on my Christmas list. You did. And then I always <laughs> got a baby doll. But we're moving past that part. That's okay. <laughs> So, and then I've been blessed too with, and I mean, aunts and uncles that have had kiddos after I, I turned, when I was nine, my aunts and uncles started having kiddos. And so I grew up around all of their kids. And to me, they're like just their siblings. They're not really cousins to me. I just feel like they're so close to me. And it's always been an experience to, to be around my aunts when they were pregnant and I always loved it. And I think as a woman too, I am very, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely going to wait for sure. I can wait a minute, but I'm very excited to start a family of my own someday. And I think for me, like thinking about that, as soon as I found out, would find out that I would be pregnant, you know, I don't think that I would think that it's just cells inside me. It would automatically become this human that I'm growing inside of me. And for me, I look at it as soon as someone's pregnant, you know, it's a human in there. It's not just a cluster of cells, even though scientifically that's what people want to say, then sure. But it comes down to, you know, that's actually a baby growing and it will have a heartbeat. It will have eyes, ears, legs, toes, fingers, you know, and it will have, it will be able to love you just like you will love it. Yeah. So. Well, and also you worked in NICU Mm -hmm. in Utah Yep. And what was the hospital? Uh, Intermountain, primary yes. children's. You were for, there for quite a while and you saw some. Pretty small babies. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, I saw, I think the, the smallest baby was, I mean, it comes down to baby being able to fit in your palm, you know, and I think I the youngest was like 27 weaker and, you know, those, they fight, man. They are tiny, but they are mighty and they fight. And uh, that's Jared's cousin, Harper. And what was he like? One pound when I he was born. I saw him. You could fit him in the palm of your hand easily. Like 
it was incredible. It yeah. didn't even seem real. Well, and they're supposed to still be in the womb at that point. Right. But then you see them outside of the womb, like living and fighting. Yeah. And, you know, they they push through and they they make it. But yeah. So I want to read some scripture in regards to what you just said, Ellie. Psalms 139, 13 through 14. It says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full and well. God created us. He knew our plans before we were even in the womb. Right. So he he knew Ellie and Jared's plans before they were even born. So they are a human being. They are people before they are. So born. what do you think about this, Jared? Because I know as a young man, I and even later till probably my early forties. I kind of wrestled with that. Like, of course, the abortion argument has been around forever. And to me, it was, it always came down to like, well, at what point is it a child? And I wrestled with that for a long time on, you know, just having a view of what I thought it was. So I'm somewhat curious, like where your head has been or what your thoughts are right now. Well, in my opinion, like right at, right at conception, that's a baby. Yeah. Agree. But the people that are arguing against this, I feel like some of them haven't been able to watch that trip of like when my little brother was um, conceived and they, uh, my mom was pregnant, she would like show us the pictures of him growing. Right. And like, it just like really opened my eyes. Like you can see, oh, there's his fingers. There's his, right. it's really, it's really mind blowing. Like when, when you start to realize like, oh, this, this clump of cells is growing into a baby. Right. And so like. And the heartbeat. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. when I heard that, it was like, it's really, you really can't even put it into words how meaningful it is. Cause like the people that are arguing like, Oh, it's just a clump of cells. Well, yeah, that's the way you started out too. So like, yeah, no, I wrestled with that. Cause like, I think it's one of those things people get visual, right? You can't see what's behind the walls right here until you put that ultrasound on there. The walls so, of your stomach. Yeah. yeah so I, I think I was kind of the same way too. It, oh, what the hell's going on in there? And then you get the ultrasound and you're like, holy crap. I mean, it looks a little bit like an alien, but you can tell it's going to be something. At first but, it kind of looks like a bean. Yeah. A bean. Yeah. But, yeah. I don't know, but like like I said before, there was something that I mentally wrestled with and tried to rationalize for a long time until I became a Christian. And then you start looking for answers from the Bible, and then it just seems kind of obvious. But, you know, I also try to think of it, think of the argument as a person that's not a Christian. It's like, well, if you really want to change the mentality of this whole thing, how do you do that without being Christianese, so to speak? Because some people, it's gonna, they may never get there or eventually they could get there. But, you know, when you look at the argument, and I'm not saying everybody on the side of pro-life is a Christian, but the bulk of them are. And then you look at the other side, and the bulk of them are not Christians. So 
you know, how do you get that side to understand what our side is saying when they are not believing what we're believing, right? Like, that's where my head's out right now. How do you turn the tide of this so it's not so decisive? But <laughs> I don't know what the answer to that is. That's like, a tough one. That's a tough question, but... Um, but I think there has to be a level of respect, right? That it's okay to disagree. It's, I mean, I don't believe, I'm not going to agree with your belief system, but I'm not going to sit and tear you down because of that. Right. Like, I think we need to know when, and, it, and going to social media, let's just give that example. Um, you know, just pause for a second before you post or pray before you post, right? Like, yes, there was a lot of celebration on the Christian side that day, but it did not have to do with anything but the spiritual warfare that we read in the Bible. It's good and evil. Mm -hmm. So we weren't as Christians trying to shove it down non-Christian or non-believers throats. It was more so we were beating the devil. Right. You know, it was God's win over beating the devil. And so it's not that we were trying to attack anyone personally. And I think it felt very personal to the other side. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think we need to just respect people's beliefs and we can't force our beliefs down other people's throats. Yeah. So. They have to come by that themselves. So that leads me to my next question, because you hear the statement all the time, my body, my choice. Do you guys agree with that? What are your thoughts on it? Well, that whole thing is nobody is getting an abortion at eight months just for clout. Like, like right. Nobody's going to go like, oh, I'm going to keep this baby until it's almost born and then abort it right at the last second. Just, yeah, just to do it. Like it, I feel there's always an argument because like some some women they get the abortion because like oh it's their baby developed without lungs they're like things go wrong and like that baby's right. not going to be able to live anyway so like why right. drag it on and drag on the more the mourning process because of, of that loss but right. um like i understand that point of it but like the people that are like using it as a form of birth control that's that's pretty horrible like yeah. just because you made a bad decision i don't know how people do that yeah. but yeah, adding to that, especially being, you know, in the healthcare field at one point, I uh I don't know a doctor personally that would withhold, you know, or withhold medical treatment for a woman that's going through some sort of like ectopic pregnancy or that's having a birth complications. I think people are getting some misinformation out there, especially on social media like uh, you don't use an abortion for the ectopic pregnancy or for other, you know, difficulties along with pregnancy. Abortion is specifically, you know, for the form of uh, birth control, basically. And I personally look at it as, yeah, my body, my choice, but it was also my choice to have you know, it would be my choice to have sex. And then that would, if a baby comes along with that, like it's no longer just my body. I now have two bodies. I'm dealing with my body and would be dealing with my baby's body. And so I have to give that, like they have just as much rights as I do. So that's how I personally look at it. Right. And, 
And the way I look at that is that, you know, it's not our right. It's God's right to, to, um, you know, say whether or not that baby has a life here on earth or, um, you know, there's been, uh, there's been stories coming out of women that have had abortions and the actual baby survived and they were born and cause the, the abortion went wrong and the women have come out with their stories about how they're so grateful they have life and they were purposely supposed to be aborted. And that, you know, and to me that just shows like God had a plan for them. Right. And his plan is so much bigger than ours. Yeah. Can I add something too? So Working in the ER, my mom mentioned I worked in the NICU, but I also worked in the ER for two years too. And unfortunately, it's not all roses and rainbows in healthcare. It's a lot of dreary days too. And I've seen women go through miscarriages at 19, 20 weeks. And, you know, that baby at that point is pretty good in size. And it's it's awful to have to sit there and watch that mother lose their baby like that. So it's really hard to like understand and I can't fully wrap my brain around it personally, how I sit here and watch one mom, you know, lose the baby that they've been wanting for the last five years and then to go to the other side and have someone abort, you know, their first, second, third baby just as a form of birth control personally. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a good point. You know, for me, the whole my body, my choice thing, I'm I'm always looking at things logically and like, I understand what women are saying. But I think it goes back to my point earlier where both sides aren't trying to understand what the other is arguing because I want women to have health care. I want women to have good health care and be able to take care of themselves. And take care of their bodies but for me you know a baby's at conception and so to me that's a body inside of your body just like ellie just said so so i from my side of the fence who's looking out for the rights of that baby you know um is the way i see it and you know god bless mothers for having the housing to grow babies and stuff. But that baby is not part of your body, in my opinion. So somebody's who's going to stand up for the rights of that baby. Cause I'll be, I'll be honest. Like when I was younger, you know, I would listen, I started listening to like conservative talk radio and stuff. And the, the reason it attracted me was because, you know, I understood the history of this country and freedoms and everything. And, you know, I wanted as much freedom as possible. And when the whole abortion thing came up, I thought the same way. I'm like, well, shouldn't a woman be free to make her choice on however she wants? But then after a while, I'm like, well, who's standing up for the baby's rights and their right to life? So that's where my head ended up going after much circling and reading and debate and stuff. But, and I don't think, I don't think the side of the fence that wants abortion is hearing that argument, right? Like nobody's trying to take away your health care 
the rights to your body. It's more about the rights of the baby's body. So yeah. anyway, that's my two cents. <laughs> yeah. And you're, you're going to have a really hard time um, changing people's belief system, right? Coming from. Well, it's not easy. Coming from pro-life, anti-abortion, that's me. Um, I'm just going to say when people argue with me about it, I feel like they're wasting their breath because yeah. point blank, I don't believe in murder. Yeah. Like there's nothing that's going to change my mindset on that. I don't believe in murder. So, yeah. well, as a parent, you have this innate sense of protection. Like, right. It's just how you're hardwired. You want to protect that baby. Right. So like the yes. fact that somebody would want to abort that as like, especially as like a form of birth control, they were just reckless and didn't mm -hmm. use protection. They've, there's literally dozens of different types of protection. Right. And you're going to use an abortion as your choice. Like, well, and now you're seeing in the news, I've seen an uptick that men, young men, your age, Jared, are going out getting vasectomies. Because they're reversible now. They didn't used to be. Well, yeah. Um, Hopefully, right? <laughs> well, let's be clear about the statistic, too. Basically, they've recorded that consultations for vasectomies have gone up 400% since Roe vs. Wade. So that's an interesting thing to me because that tells me that men are like, I don't want to have babies, but I want to go around and screw whatever I want. So... Where's the responsibility in that? You know, that's the way I was taught. Just be responsible. Right. Right. And it comes down to education. And where's right? the self-control? Right. Where's the self-control? Because I actually also know men, a lot fewer men that have actually waited to have sex before marriage. And now they have this beautiful marriage and beautiful family and God has truly blessed them. But it takes a lot of self-control to not have sex out of wedlock. Right. Yeah. But which is a completely different show, I think. It <laughs> like, is. We could rabbit trail. But that's on that. part of the problem with this is uh, the sin problem. Yeah. It's the immediate it's the culture we live in of immediate gratification, yes. right? Like it feels good. Yeah. I, I I see it, I want it. Woe is me, somebody's paying attention to me. Like the there's whole so, one night stand. Yeah, one night stand, yeah. There's a hundred different ways to go with this. And that to me, that's a whole different other topic, but but Which, it plays a big part into this. Absolutely, it does. Um, because it's sin stacked upon sin when you look at it biblically. And then as a person that does rationalize things and looking back on this, I'm like, there's a reason why this stuff's in the Bible. Because it makes sense. Like, you, you do what's in there and the pieces of your life re together. really come together nicely. Um and that's not to say that, like, I sit in my life in regret and go, oh, I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have done that. That's where the redemption thing comes in. But, you know, when you start focusing on what is written in one book that's been around for thousands of years now, it's amazing to me how everything in your life just starts falling into place. Well, and we are human. We are sinful by nature. It's a guidebook. Right? That's when Adam and Eve, they sinned and they fell. That's now we are sinful by nature. Right. Right? But we also, so we aren't going to be perfect. We will make mistakes. But we, if we, like you said, follow the book, we follow the Bible and we get biblically aligned, 
then we do see more blessings in our life. It's just a sin issue. So there is grace and forgiveness and we will make mistakes, but we can be forgiven. But following the Bible, you know, we can steer away from a lot of that sin. Yeah. I mean, all all of this to me, you got to start with educating people, right? I think that's part of the problem is like, especially right now we're talking about gender and all this other stuff. And it's like, we can't even get people to understand conception and how to protect themselves and stuff. Like at minimum, could we at least do that? But anyway, just to kind of wrap up here, maybe fun little question. So you you guys are getting (laughs) older. Like where's your thought process in your head about kids? Like, when do you want to have them? How many do you think you want to have? Like, where's your head at? Two maximum. And it's going to be a couple of years. Yeah. Because right now with the two young, like my two youngest siblings, they are the most effective form of birth control. <laughs> 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 they are a handful. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're two and four. So it's like, they're in that stage where everything's like, yeah. they know the rules, but they purposely break them. And like, it's what you've thought about it and yeah, that's something that you want to do. I'm definitely, we're definitely, I'm definitely going to have kids at some point, but it's going to be in the future. I'm only 24. I got a lot yeah. of life left to live. Yeah. I mean, if it happens before then that's fine. Got my whole family behind me. Right. We'll, get, we'll c- cross that bridge when we come to it. Yeah. <laughs> about you ellie uh well ultimately i know it's not my choice uh how many kiddos i have um or necessarily how long down the road but obviously but I, I would know like you and i know you've thought about this <laughs> you have a number i definitely yes yes <laughs> i will not disagree with that you're completely so what's right the number well i mean definitely not one being an only child i'm very thankful the way i grew up but i know that i want my kid to have somebody to right. mess around and get down in the dirt with but um probably i like to say four but that number is kind of steep so at least two i was gonna say six (laughs) 17 i I don't know i could be seen driving a minivan guys yeah i just i don't think i could do it you know uh yukon xl yeah i could go yukon xl yeah yeah for me two is like the premium number because jc and i are super close like and because we grew up right next to each other. And then Rowan is kind of on his own. Right. He's the middle kid. Right. Because there's, well, JC's 22. She just turned 22. And Rowan is like 12. Yeah. There's a gap. There's a huge gap. And then yeah. Emmy is four and Ian's two. So it's like, yeah. he's kind of like on an island there. So like, because JC and I, we grew up together. We were so close. And I mean, Ian was super close, but Rowan's kind of on his own. So like, I feel like the middle child always kind of gets... Yeah. Ellie, I can see you popping yours out one right after another. Oh, brother. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to have a brood of kids, I bet. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this. G-pop. You guys being grandparents? Well, he already looks like a grandpa. (laughs) I, I I have a number that's the minimum that I will be a grandparent. Minimum? Yeah. What do you mean the number? My age. Oh, what's your age? None of these kids are allowed to have kids before I'm 55. 
Well, Matt has so already you're a senior citizen, <laughs> officially a senior yeah, citizen. Yeah, when my AARP card comes in the mail, <laughs> they can start having kids. Matt has already informed me that he will not probably hold my baby until it's at least like four. I don't like touching people's babies. <laughs> it's weird, I know. No, I mean, I think it's different with your own. Yeah, for sure. Like, I won't touch other people's babies, but obviously I touched my own babies. <laughs> yeah. Not in a weird way, but, uh, but you know, now our kids are going to start having kids. I think I'll be okay with it. Oh, you'll be great. So I'm afraid of them. I'll break them. <laughs> They're fragile. <laughs> but I did watch Jarrett Superman out of his crib when he was like a few weeks old and just face plant. I was like, he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> he survived. He's a little goofy, but. He survived. Now I know why I am the way I am. So you want to wrap it up? Let's wrap it up. Yeah, we'll wrap it up here. It's been great um, this episode and we uh, look forward to getting back out on the road. We leave today and head to Indiana and um, who knows where next. Yeah. And um, nice to have some, our kids on. It's great to have our kids on our first interviewees. Uh, pretty uh, tough topic. Very tough topic. Right out of the gate, having them on, but yeah, I don't know. This is the stuff that needs to happen, right? Like, yeah, but our kids mean so much to us, and it was important that they were on at some point. So we're grateful they are first. They are our first ones. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, we have many more topics to come and interviews to come in the future, and we just hope that you all share the radical road with your friends and family and coworkers, and just get the word out there. We're just sharing boldness and the truth and just sharing our journey out here on the radical road yep and again if you have questions comments have prayer requests um send them to our email at matt and jess at on the radical if you can't remember that just go to our website and you can find us there on the radical yep on the radical see you next time rad roadies we'll see you on the road later